Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is episode 74 of the Jesus Society Podcast. Um, I didn't have a didn't have an episode last week, as you probably noticed. Um, still, uh, still kind of up to my eyeballs dealing with um, dealing with stuff, life. Um, but there is some light at the end of the tunnel for which I am very grateful, and hopefully some things are moving in the right direction, and, and hopefully within the next, oh, I don't know, within the next week, maybe, um, things will have things will have settled down to a, a manageable level in my life. Um, I, I'm still not quite ready to pick back up our discussion of the Lord's Prayer. I, for some reason... I just I can't seem to make any mental traction um, uh, about that, and that I, I hate that because I don't like starting stuff and not finishing it. That's just not that's just not who I am. Um, I've about decided though that that's just not something the Lord wants me to do right now, and so um, I think I should pay attention to that. Um, th- there are other things that are that are on my heart at the moment. Um, so, uh, one of which we're going to talk about today and I will get back to the Lord's prayer when the Lord tells me it's the right time when I, when I can make it happen. Um, so, um, what I do want to talk about today, I'm, uh, I'm sitting here fairly relaxed this morning with my coffee, um, which I will have a little bit of. Because coffee is always wonderful. Um, it is uh, it is hot here, by the way, in Middle Tennessee. It is. Uh, I, I am. I cannot wait for summer to be over. I'm ready, 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 ready um, for that. Um, but August is almost behind us, which means September, and September is always a little nicer. And the best thing about September is that October is right behind it. And October and November are my favorite months of the year. Um, so, I, and that's just mostly because I, I'm a hunter and I like I like hunting and I can get out in the woods. And the woods are never more beautiful um, than they are in the fall. They're almost as pretty in the spring when they start to green up. Um, that's turkey season. <laughs> but um, But in the fall... Um, when the leaves start changing, um, everything is, is just beautiful, beautiful. And I can't wait um, to get back out there when it's uh, not so miserable hot. So anyway, moving right along, uh, what I do want to talk about today is um, something that I think is it will get a lot of traction, um, <laughs> but it's, it's something that I think a lot of us wrestle with and have wrestled with. And I think I've got a better answer to some of this stuff now than I ever have. Um, uh, uh, what, I'm, what we're going to talk about is discovering God's plan for your life. Now, I have spent a lot of energy over the years trying to figure that out. And I will tell you right now, I think a lot of that is has been wasted energy um, for some reasons that I think will become obvious um, as we get through this. Um, but I want to start... 
I want to start by looking at possibly the most famous, um, the most famous distances of all Bible passages, at least for for modern uh, Western Christians, and that is, uh, it is the verse that you can find on uh, T-shirts and um, um, coffee mugs and um, wall decorations and and little knitted things and it's everybody's favorite verse and it is Jeremiah 29:11 which says for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans for your well-being not for disaster to give you a future and a hope Isn't that a good verse? That's a great verse. I love that verse. You love that verse. We all love that verse. But here's the thing. We always tend to pick that verse out of context and treat it as though it is a general promise to, um, to everyone for all time. We do that a lot. And I want to say that's a, that is always a risky interpretive mood uh, move. Um, when you when you pluck verses out of context and and try to make them make them into general statements, you you lose you lose the context, and thus you lose um, you lose what that verse originally meant and is supposed to mean. And it also allows us to, to make some leaps and bounds in terms of interpretation. And th- that, that move kind of carries us some places that really are bizarre some, sometimes, right? Like we end, up, we end up turning verses into meaning things that they just don't mean, right? Because we, we've plucked them out of their context. So we do that with this verse maybe more than any other verse in the Bible. Although there's some other verses we do that with too. Um, what I'm going to say about this verse in a few minutes is that there, there are indeed some general truths to this statement. But before we get there, I feel like it is, it is important to kind of get clear on the, the context of this verse in Jeremiah. So in context, here's what's going on. And, and you know, one way to get at this is just when you, when you find a verse and you just want to pluck it out of context... Read the 10 verses before it and the 10 verses after it, or better yet, read the whole chapter, or better yet, read the chapter before it and the chapter after it, okay? Get a good context. Figure out what how this verse fits into the, the argument that the, that the writer is making, okay? So in context, in the context of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God has sent Israel into exile in Babylon because of their rebellion and their disobedience, Okay? And he has told them that they will be there in exile in another country for 70 years. Now, some false prophets have arisen in Jeremiah's day, and they uh, are people who understand that good news is always popular, right? Um, and they're running around telling people, no, 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 it's going to be much less than 70 years. You know, no, no time at all we'll be back in the, in, the, in the land of Israel and everything will be wonderful. So in response to that, 
Jeremiah is saying, and this is Jeremiah 29, verses 8 through 10, right in front of verse 11, Jeremiah says this. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Don't let your prophets who are among you deceive you, for they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. For this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. And then God says in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So the plans God has for Israel in this particular case are the plans to bring Israel back to the promised land after the 70 years of Babylonian exile uh, and captivity are over. That's what's going on in this text. Okay, It's not just a general statement that God will give you and everybody else in this world whatever you want, or that he's going to make your life easy and prosperous and wonderful um, no matter what. That's not what Jeremiah 29 is about. Okay, And so the next few verses on the, on the back side of Jeremiah 29.11 Uh, Verses 12 through 14 say this. You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And that is a reference back to the book of Deuteronomy. I will be found by you and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. So, Jeremiah 29 is a specific message to Israel in their context, okay? But it is also an affirmation, I think, for the rest of us, that when you seek God with all your heart, he will unfold his plan in your life. And the beautiful, hopeful, freeing thing about this, okay? This is, like, if you don't don't remember anything else, I want you to get this. This is important. The beautiful, hopeful, freeing thing about this is that we, and this is something we never talk about, is that you don't even have to know what that plan is in order for God to fulfill it. You don't need to know what God's plan is for your life in order for it to come about. Notice that God says, I know the plans I have for you. It doesn't say you know the plans I have for you. And God is not even real specific um, with Israel here about what's going on. He says, 70 years and you can go home. But he didn't give him any real details about exactly when that's going to happen, how it's going to come about, what's, you know, nothing. And again, the, the affirmation for us is that when you seek God with all your heart, he will unfold and work out his plan for your life, even if you don't know what it is. So let me give you, with that, with that tr- truth in mind, and that, that's truth, that is conviction, and that is to me the most freeing thing in the world. 
So let me give you a few truths about how this works out, okay? First truth, God does in fact have a plan for you, okay? He does. It is for your good. It is to bless you. God wants and intends nothing in your life but your good. He loves you, he adores you, and he wants the very best for you. That's true. The problem is, we often get really, really confused about what that ought to look like. Okay, Our idea of what is good for us and God's idea are often very, very different things. Okay, um, We want lots of money. We want a life of ease with, without any difficulties. We want for everything to just always work out in our favor in every possible way according to what, what we think is best. But the truth is, I don't, I don't always know what's best for me. Right? I have a very narrow perspective, and I have a very self-serving perspective. Right? I, I think that, that I'm at the center of the world, and my needs and my wants are just obviously, obviously God wants exactly what I want. And that's a little arrogant, Right? And that brings me to the second truth in all this, okay? The first truth is that God really does have a plan for you, and it is for your good. But second truth, his plan isn't just about you. You are, you are not the center of God's world, and I, neither am I, okay? Um, I like, when I, when I talk about this sort of stuff, I like to go back to the movie Bruce Almighty. Remember that great theological movie, Bruce Almighty. Have you seen it? You should see it. Okay. Uh, Bruce, the character in, in there, uh, played by Jim Carrey, um, he, gets, he gets ticked at God because his life isn't working out just the way he wants to, the way he wants it to. He's not getting the promotions at work. He's not, you know, everybody else is getting there ahead of him and he's getting frustrated. And so he kind of lashes out with God uh, lashes out at God, and uh, God responds by saying, all right, you want to be in charge? You're in charge. You're in charge of the whole world. And God, um, played by Morgan Freeman, who plays kind of a cool God, by the way, um, God gives um, Jim Carrey, Bruce, um, all the power and authority to, to do whatever he thinks is best, to manage the world. Well, Bruce finds out really quickly that managing the world is a pretty difficult thing. One of the big challenges is prayers. He can hear the whole world praying, and he tries to set up a system where that's going to be easier for him, and even that becomes overwhelming. Um, it's, it's really kind of a funny scene or a couple scenes in the movie, like you should watch it. Um, but he, he finally decides that the easy way, and of course, Bruce is trying to make it easy on Bruce. Right? Trying to make all this easy on Bruce. Bruce finally decides that the easy way to handle all these prayers is to just say yes to everybody. So he does. Just says, whatever you're asking for, he just says yes to. Well, one of the interesting things is that about a gazillion people are asking, are praying to, for God to let them win the lottery. And Bruce says yes to all of them. And so about a gazillion people win the lottery the next day. Now, you just think about it. If a gazillion people win the lottery, guess how much everybody gets? 
everybody gets about 38 cents <laughs> or something. And so now everybody's mad because they won the lottery, but so did everybody else in the world and they got 38 cents or whatever it was. And everybody's ticked about that. And in several other areas, we find out that when, when he says yes to everybody and gives them just what they want, it leads to absolute chaos, bedlam throughout the world. And the movie makes the point that we just don't always know what's best for us. We, we tend to see the world through this, our, our own very narrow little lens, right? Um, and think about this, too. What will be best for you two years down the road is almost certainly not something that you think is, or, or may well not be something that you think is worth pursuing today. It's not what you want today because you don't have a clue what's coming down the road. You don't know what kind of other circumstances are going to change. Is, is, you know, is somebody going to get sick in your family? You're going to lose a job. You're going to get another job. You're going to move to another town. You, where are you going to be in two years? You have no idea. And God is setting things in motion now so that things will be what they need to be in two years. And you, because he can, he can see you can't. So how do you pray for that? How do you, how do you work toward that? Right? It's, it's, a, it's a maddening thing to try to do. Right? It just is. So we are just, we are just very limited in our perspective of what is best today and what's going to be best even a month from now. Last year in January, how many people could have imagined COVID was was on our doorsteps, right? You had you were making plans for summer, thinking about what was going to happen, and you, you just had no idea. None of us did. See, we like we just we've got such a narrow little perspective on what's going on. What's God's plan? Like, you can't plan for that. You just can't plan because you don't know everything. Okay? So the second truth in all this is that God's plan for your life will fit into God's plan for the rest of the world. Okay? It really is your best. It, it, it's, it's really to, to bless you and give you a future and a hope, but... God's plan for you fits into God's kingdom plans for the rest of the world as he redeems and renews the world. Remember, Jeremiah 29, 13 says that these promises, these plans that he has for you involve seeking after God with all your heart. Okay, so third, third truth here. God's plan for your life really will, I think, take into account who you are and how he's made you. Now, that does not mean everything's going to be easy, okay? It does not mean everything's going to be just, just what you always imagined. All your dreams are going to come true. It doesn't mean that. But I really believe that his blessings will be unique to you, that his blessings for you will count as blessings, that the, the, the good, they'll be good that you perceive as good. They'll, it'll be hope that feels hopeful to you, Okay? Because again, God adores you and he wants your best and he wants you to delight in him as he delights in you. Okay? 
And number four, the fourth truth is that all we have to do to get there, to allow God to unfold his wonderful plan for our lives, is simply to follow Jesus today. To seek him with all your heart today. And to do it again tomorrow. And to do it again the next day and every day after that. To keep your eyes fixed on him. To, to lock your arms with him to, to engage in a relationship, an engaged relationship with him and walk with him, letting him lead the way every day and he'll lead you where he wants you to go. Let him do the planning and the preparation. Let him lead the way and he will get to where you're supposed to, you will get to where you're supposed to go and you'll be happy about it when you get there because some of the work that God wants to do in, in unfolding his plan for you is to change your heart. Change your ideas about what's good, and that takes time, right? So there's a, it's, it's, it's a complex thing, and you just, can't, you just can't manage it all yourself. In John 14, Jesus has this conversation with the apostles about his plans for them, and he says, you know the way I'm going. Well, Thomas speaks up and Thomas says, Lord, we don't have any idea where you're going. How, how are we supposed to know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. I'm the way. Follow me and you'll get there. Now, to do that involves a great deal of trust, doesn't it? We've got to believe that he can see the way before us clearly, more clearly than we can, and that he knows what obstacles are there and how to best get around those, right? we got to believe that. And what I have found is that the greatest challenge that we face in our life of faith is trust. It is the thing that will trip us up the most, in my experience. It is the thing that will hold us back. It'll, it is the thing that will that'll move us in different directions, and it always comes down to whether we're going to trust God or whether we're going to trust ourselves. And as I've said many, many times on this podcast, trust is always a question. It always comes down to whether we believe that God really loves us, because you will never obey someone who you don't trust and you will never trust someone who you don't believe loves you absolutely and thus wants your very best. If we really believe that God loves us and wants our very best, then we will trust Him. And if we trust Him, we will obey Him and we will follow Him. And so, let me... Let me wrap up. Um, I, I want to leave you with a couple of a couple of things, um, a couple of quotes um, uh, from uh, Wayne Jacobson. And I've made, mentioned Wayne before. Wayne is uh, um, a prolific writer. He's write, written a lot of wonderful things that have been very helpful to me. He's got a podcast, got his own podcast called called The God Journey, which I um, I listen to occasionally. I used to listen to it all the time. I don't listen to it as much anymore. Um, but um, he's a good man with a good heart, and he's, uh, he's done a lot, um, a lot of good in helping people kind of 
really learn to follow God personally and intimately and, and relate to him in, uh, in helpful ways. So he says a couple of things here that, that Wayne says that I want to leave you with. This is from his excellent little book um, called He Loves Me. Okay, and I'll put a link in the show notes to that, to that book. I highly recommend that book. He says this, When Jesus asked people to repent and believe the gospel, he was not asking them to be sorry for their sins and embrace, embrace orthodox theology. He was asking them to forfeit their own agenda and embrace his. That is the invitation to the kingdom. It's not whether we want to go to heaven or hell, but whether we want to trust God or continue trusting ourselves. So that's one, that's one quote. Second quote I, I want to read is this. When you trust him, you will find yourself cooperating with his work going on in you and around you. Trust is not coasting through life assuming that whatever happens must be God. Rather, it is an active partnership that rises out of your relationship to him. Without that, what many call trust is simply a Christian version of fatalism or complacency. Folks, God really does have a beautiful, glorious plan for you and for your life. And the beautiful, freeing truth is that you don't need to get that all figured out for it to come to fruition. All you need to do is surrender to God, get on board His agenda, trust Him, follow Jesus. Faith is the substance of things hoped for when our hope is firmly grounded in God's activity and purpose. So surrender to His unfolding purpose in the world around us and to the part that He wants you to play in that purpose. And you can trust that what he leads you into and unfolds before you will be the most glorious, joyous, fulfilling thing that you can imagine because it will have been, been designed to fit you like a glove and it will have changed you in the process to be fit for that thing. And the most wonderful part of the whole deal is not finally getting to that purpose. The most wonderful part of the whole thing will be the relationship that develops between you and the God of all peace. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. As always, I'd appreciate it if you'd tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please uh, rate and, and um, subscribe and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Amazon Music, wherever you go to get your podcast. Please uh, visit our Facebook page for the Jesus Society podcast. Um, and check out our new website, thejesussociety.com, and I'll have links to all this in the show notes. Um, you can check out, we're, we're loading all our stuff on YouTube and uh, slowly, much more slowly on Odyssey. Um, and if you search for the Jesus Society podcast on either YouTube or Odyssey, you'll find us. If you'd like to support the show and our related ministry, please uh, click on the support TJS link uh, on our website, thejesussociety.com. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, you are greatly loved.